episode seven of the Worldwide Webcast. Um, I'm here with Jake Chapel, owner of Sky Breacher Photography, a good buddy of mine in the Air Force, and we're shooting this live on our base. Um, I've known Jake in the Air Force for about a good year and a half now. Yeah, close um, to it, yeah. Yeah, we've been real good buddies. Um, Jake recently started his photography business within the past few months. That's been going very great for him. Um, I originally started, you know, just with photography. Now he's moving on with social media pictures, and you know he's all over the industry. Um, I'll let you give a brief introduction if you want to go ahead. And, yeah. So uh, my name is uh, Jacob Chapel, and uh, owner of the Skybreacher Photography Company. Um, I'm originally from Alabama. I'm 23 years old, and I started up my photography business not too long ago. I've got a website now, um, social media, Facebook, Instagram. Um, Flickr, I've got Twitter, and uh, also Tumblr. Um, I started out doing photography when I was uh, 12, and did it until I was about 14, until I unfortunately broke my camera, uh, and my parents could not afford uh, to get me another one, so kind of got set on the back burner until, you know, I grew up, got busy with things, uh, joined the military, and finally uh, had some extra money sitting aside, and, uh, you know, Picked up a camera and, and just went with it again yeah. one day, you know? That's awesome, man. It's funny. I always find myself around photographers. Like, my last podcast <laughs> I did with another photographer. Yeah. But, yeah, man. I mean, that's awesome. I mean, photography in today's day and age is huge. And I know, like, just getting into that market and, you know, like, with the technology we have nowadays, photography is crazy. It's very saturated nowadays, the market is, with photography. Yeah. yeah. But skills... Always outshine, you know. True, very true. Yeah. Yeah, so um, one way me and Jake also connect too is a big topic that I'm going to focus in more on my podcast is investing. Um, Jake, well, he also invests in the stock market and he has some investments that he does. Yep. And today's episode, I just want to talk to you guys a bunch about investing and um, kind of give a recap of last week's events at uh, St. Louis. I was able to meet some awesome um, business individuals and they kind of gave me a bunch of advice, you know, with my dad's business. And we also, you know, performed some sales there. But mostly it was just a, a way to engage with other business owners and to, like, talk to them and share ideas. Um, so pretty much, like, one concept is I talked to a guy. He was telling me, like, he was talking to me. He was like, hey, man, like, how long have you been involved with your dad's business? How is things going with that? And I was like, you know, telling him, like, I've been involved for about two years now. And um, if you guys don't know, um, my dad's business is Pilano Custom Clothier, and um, what he does is men's suits, uh, men's dress clothes, and custom design, shirts, ties, uh, just anything in men's fashion. And um, I've been involved for probably about two years now, uh, steady. The guy, what he asked me was, he was like, well, are you an entrepreneur or are you a technician? And I was like, hmm, what do you mean by that? And he was like, well, most people nowadays, they hear the term entrepreneur, and they think by being an entrepreneur, you just, you know, have your own business and, you know, you work towards it and, you know, you kind of just have that in place. Sure. Um, but he, what he's saying was most people now that are entrepreneurs, they're actually technicians because the, the break between entrepreneur and technician is when you're a technician, like let's say you are a mechanic and you own your own shop, you you know, are the sole operator or you like that go-to person that people want to go to. So like you branded yourself as like, okay, I'm the top mechanic. People like you, people like your service. They're like, okay, I like this guy. I'm gonna keep coming back to him. Yeah. But now let's say you get sick one day or like, let's say you get sick for a week or two weeks or you run out of town. Like you're not gonna make any money. Because, He's making the money for you. Yeah. That's what you're saying. Yeah, because yeah. okay. you're, you're away from the business. So like what process or what things do you have in place for your business or what you're running or what you want to run to operate when you're not there. And what he was saying is like a lot of people have that confused nowadays because they they don't know how to tell that difference in both sides of business. So like you go day to day, you know, you just kind of do your things, but you don't have a process set in place. One thing he told me too was the biggest downfall in business is having your customer fall in love just with you. So, and I was like, well, why is that? Like, yeah, why is that? want your customer to fall in love with you. Yeah, because, customer you know, loyalty, is they yeah. call it. Yeah, yeah. But I was thinking about it all wrong, and he really opened my eyes. So, what he was basically saying is, if your customer loves you, and they love seeing you, and, you know, they're very attached to you, they're not going to want to do business with your company if you're not there. Hypothetically speaking. Like, sure. they're like, I want this person to do, like, in case for my dad's company. 
he's a so he's a tailor. So they're like, I know and I trust his work. Well, okay, like let's say like when my dad was at a convention, me and my dad were at a convention, he wasn't there. They're like, when does Henry get back? Uh, like, he's gone for a week. Yeah. Okay. So, so he's kind of getting like that uh, too deep of a personal connection. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and that's what he I said. See. That should be your biggest fear as a business owner, entrepreneur, is the customer falling in love with you. So that's one thing that you know. That makes sense. I've been working. Yeah. So, um, like a lot of people, they'll like go to my dad's shop and say, "Oh, well, I'll wait till he comes back." Sure. But, I've heard that before. Yeah. Yeah. But, yeah. but what if they go? down the street and say, oh, I need this done, like, tomorrow. And then they're just like, okay, I either won't get it done or I'm going to go somewhere else where someone I know is in there and they trust that one person. Right. But, like, even, like, with you, like, if people, if you have your company and they're like, oh, I want Jay to take my pictures. I'm that like, makes sense, yes. Yeah. yeah. So, but now, if you have a process at a place that people fall in love with, like Starbucks, you don't go to Starbucks and ask to see the owner. Yeah, that's yeah. true. That's you just true. say, give me the coffee. Which, <laughs> that's things you never think about. Yeah. But it's very, very true. So you're talking about they, they uh, fall in love with the uh, process from the company or the result from the company and not just from one person is what you're saying. It's, yeah. it's the whole... Uh, everything together is what they enjoy and what they love and what they come back for. Yeah. So that's, that actually makes really good sense. I've actually, uh, I don't believe I've thought about it that way before. Yeah. Actually. So like a lot of people nowadays, because entrepreneurship, I guess, is kind of cool, I would say now, mm -hmm. where like a lot of people think, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Kind of, uh, you know, adventurous and wild or whatever. Or something. Yeah. Yeah. Fun. Yeah. But, um, you know, there's definitely things that go into it that are above the surface and people are looking at it like, I think long way right now they're thinking of okay just because i do this it makes me an entrepreneur yeah but now that seeing that if you have that process set in place then you can get those things rolling that way so yeah i think uh the one thing that i see is uh is getting stressed out uh you know i've done this before is getting stressed out um about trying to make a lot of money or trying to be uh, what you consider you know, uh, successful or other people. Uh, but I saw this picture actually this morning when I woke up on Instagram, it was a photography, and it's one of the reasons I, I love photography. And it was, uh, it was completely Photoshopped, okay. but the illustration behind it was priceless and it was a skeleton, it was like a skull mm -hmm. laying on a table and all of these $100 bills were raining down. Some of them were blurred out and some of them were in focus, just like it would be if you took it with an actual camera. Yeah. And it said, life is so short, is all the money really worth it? And, you know, it's pretty cool because you think about it, you know, a lot of these guys that, you know, like uh, Warren Buffett, he's gotten really old now and he's, you know, he's filthy rich. Yeah. But he's not going to take any of that money to the grave. So you got to kind of balance out, you know, uh, family, you know, friends, you know, hobbies, you got to kind of balance everything out and not just be so caught up in one thing that you kind of lose your mind, so to speak. Yeah. So that's one thing I'd say. It's not stress. It's got to be fun. You got to yeah. make it, you got to make it fun. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's an adventure. Mm -hmm. It's fun. Uh, you kind of just, you know, look at it as just killing time. Like you just, you having a good time. You yeah. Know? Like it's something that you would do even if you weren't to get paid. Yeah. Like you would do it regardless on if you got paid or not. Yeah. Because, like, the money, that's just the reward for right. what you're doing. But. You just don't want it to be like, uh, you know, I've uh, heard some people, uh, especially, like, you know, I guess you hear, like, grandpa's voice in certain aspects in this uh, way is, uh, you know, you got to be so serious. got to keep it serious, and you got to be serious, and, son, you got to think ahead. And, you gotta, and it's just too serious all the time. And you got to uh, remember, you know, you have uh, – you have – uh, I guess liabilities and you have things that you need to take care of yeah. and make sure that business is getting done but you gotta make it you gotta make it fun you gotta have a good time with it yeah. you know what I mean that's the thing you gotta have fun with it yeah I mean that's that's what anything you yeah know, you take it too serious or it, even if you are taking it too serious you're gonna miss out on life around you which exactly like yeah so that's definitely a good thing um so um going back to the stock market investing um I believe this is my first time just saying this, but um, I've been investing in the stock market for about three years now. Um, my uncle, Greg Williams, he got me and my dad first involved with stock market investing. Mm -hmm. um, this is a little before I joined the Air Force when I started initially. Um, and um, so in that three year time frame, you know, I've tried a bunch of like different strategies like day trading. Um, like kind of getting rich quick 
things yeah. sometimes too. Yeah, yeah, I would we, say that. We've all been there. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. like, I started off doing all those things. Like in my first year, I tried to like day trading, like with penny stocks. Yeah. Investing in penny stocks, and you know, I probably did. I, I lost a good amount of money. <laughs> yeah. Doing that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, and then I just noticed the more and more I kept doing it and everything, I was like, okay, well, I'm using other people's strategies. Like, let me like develop my own strategy, and then. That's when I started looking into option trading, which option trading, you know, you're just investing in the predictability of the company in the sure. future, like if it's going to go up or down. Sure. Um, we started getting involved in that, and that didn't really work for me that well either. And then, like, you know, that, that was another person's strategy that I was using. So now I kind of, like, you know, gathered all that information, and over the course of these three years, like, and this within this last year, I would say eight or nine months, I've grown my Fidelity account one hundred and thirty-seven percent. Wow! By just having shares of companies. Yeah. And these are shares of companies that like are big companies that I know and trust and that I use. And then like day to day, I see people use day to day. So yeah. Um, I've just learned over the past years, like developing my own strategy. You know, within you know, you learn people's strategy. You take the good, leave the bad. And then just develop my own strategy and plan. Um, how did you get involved in? So I, uh, about a year and a half ago is when I got started in it, and I don't really remember what I saw or what sparked me to do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I do remember going through, uh, you know, a tech school uh, in the Air Force, and I went to. I think it was a library actually where I got the book. I got this. It was a stock market. It was like a stock market analysis completely, like an illustrated book, you know. Okay. And it was. I think it was rough, roughly about three hundred pages, and I filled up a notebook in, in notes from it. You know, what I mean, uh, learning charts, learning money, learning just the basics behind it. Yeah. And that's when I did my first investment, and I, I think I got lucky uh, right off the bat because I did you know, the research what the book said, and I looked at AMD, and it was okay. around. I think at the time it was like $10 and 18 cents a share. And yeah. I bought, uh, I don't remember how many shares it was, but I bought a few. Okay. And it just shot up to like $17, $18. And, you know I mean? Almost doubled. And I was just like, man, this is, yeah, this, this is, is it. You know what I mean? Here we go. You know? Yeah. And so I never, you know, and a year and a half is a short time to been, you know, to be doing it, but I haven't, uh, I haven't lost anything yet. I think, okay. I think I will lose in the future. I think everybody loses. I mean, yeah. You know what I mean? It's uh, that's just, up, must come down. exactly. Um, there's a, you know, highs and lows. So, but that's pretty much, uh, what got me started in it, and now I've got uh, different stocks. Uh, now I had about seven different stocks I sold. Uh, you know, it was either three or four this morning, and I was kind of half asleep, but I did the, yeah. I guess, the proper research. But okay. thinking back now, I can't really remember. Yeah, <laughs> I've got it pulled up in front of me, but we'll look at it in a minute and yeah. see. Yeah, well, yeah, we'll look more into that in depth. Um, so, so you're like the first one in your family that invests in the stock market, or yeah. So I, I, I don't know of anybody in my family that does it and if 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 anybody does it's probably uh uncles or aunts or somebody like that you know not uh like an immediate family okay, uh, yeah. that i know mm-hmm. but i try to talk him uh, into it and just you know the basics behind it i think the first thing to remember the mindset before the stocks is people when they hear stock market i think the first thing that uh, you think is it's complicated yeah and it's risky yeah you know but you gotta you gotta think about it like in a more like just plain few uh, way, right? So, okay. for instance, uh, inflation is two point four percent a year, and basically what that means is to give you an illustration. If you had a uh, hundred dollars mm-hmm. right now, and it's two thousand nineteen, uh, in the year twenty thirty nine, mm-hmm. yeah, it would take approximately. Um, $170 to buy what $100 would buy today. Okay, so if you That's went out, I think about 25 to 28 years, it would take, you'd have to have, your money would cut in half basically. So yeah. it would take $200 to buy what $100 would have bought 25 years ago. Yeah. Okay, just like you can think about in the 30s and 40s when a vehicle was a few thousand dollars. And now if you look at a brand new F-150, you're looking at $35,000, $40,000 easy. Yeah. So the inflation goes up. So even when you, what happens is, is you want to hold on to your money and you squeeze it. And even if you think you have it, you don't really have it because it's slowly disappearing right off under you. So if you took all your money and buried it, like I said, if you dug it up in 25 years, it would be worth half. Ah. So yeah. that's, so not investing is risky in itself. 
right? Uh, yeah. Although it is important to have a savings. It's a rainy, a rainy day savings, rainy if day you will. Savings, yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. But if you look at the stock market as a whole, it has risen up, I think, roughly 9.2% since the beginning back in the early 1900s, if I'm not mistaken. Um, year-to-year basis. Year-to-year basis. Yeah. So overall, That's roughly 9.2%. Percent. So inflation is 2.4, so you subtract that off of that, you know. Um, and you're left with 6. Point, what, 6.8 uh, or something like that of roughly uh, – growth every year right um so it's really it's really not that risky you just it, i guess it is but it's what i'm trying to say is, is it's not as risky as just holding on to money because also what happens is too uh and this is a uh really up to you but most of us spend our money uh yeah. if you have money in a savings account you're going to spend on something for instance eventually, yeah. eventually so for instance if i you know had money and i saved up i said you know what I saved up $2,000 and I'm not going to spend that, I'm going to save it, but then all of a sudden I saw like this brand new item, like a, you know, a MacBook Pro or something like that and go cut that, you know, down that savings big time. Yeah. I'm going to do that and not only that, but if you're like, okay, I'm not going to spend any money. Yeah. I'm going to save that stuff like crazy. You know, I've heard of stories of people saving seventy or $80,000, you know what I mean, by the time they're in their mid-20s. Just in the Just savings, just savings. Yeah. But then all of a sudden... You know, you're going to spend on something, uh, you, something you know, <laughs> yeah, a house and you think, well, a house is a good investment and yeah. it, it is, but you might not buy the, the best value house. You might buy because you have the money to Just buy you have the money to a buy luxury, it. right? That's not going to really have as much of a return as it could if you'd yeah. be smart about it. So it, those are some things just to keep in mind, uh, as a whole. Nah, man, I definitely, you know, you know, those are, those are great key points. Like, I, my biggest thing right now is I'm trying to get people out of that fear of like getting involved in the stock market. And one great way you put it is even by not investing, you're losing. So why not at least lose on your own terms? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like even if you exactly. invest in the stock market and lose, which, you know, if you do your research, you invest in trustworthy companies, there's things you can set in place like stop loss. You can hedge the market by, you know, buying put options on the shares that you have in a company. Like, let's say you have 100 shares in Starbucks and you're fearful one day that the stock market is going to crash, you can buy put options against you like 30, 60 days out and like let those kind of go through and that acts as your insurance on your actual stocks. Yeah. So like, let's say the market does crash, you have that insurance kind of set on place. So like, even though it's going to cost you money to buy that put option that basically thinks that the stock is going down, you're going to, you know, either profit either way. And even if the market, even if the market doesn't crash, you just paid insurance. Like you yeah. pay insurance for everything else. You pay insurance for your car, home, you know, life insurance. So why right. not put insurance on that? So, you know, I, a lot of people are just fearful in the beginning of, you know, just taking that step, moving in the direction towards, you know, the stock market. Because sure. the stock market, you know, it goes up, it goes down. But like you said, year over year, you're looking at, on average, like eight percent return. Yeah, and that's just strictly on average. Yeah, it's just the index fund. Yeah. So index fund by itself, you get that return. Imagine an individual stock. If you yeah, and and that's the thing too is you gotta remember like uh, you know so far this year I've had a uh, a forty six percent return okay. so far this year. You know when I sold stocks this morning, uh, I hey, it was I think roughly around thirty eight to forty percent return okay. on my money, and that was money that was. Just sitting in an account working for me. I, I didn't do anything yeah. to 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 do that. So, for instance, if you looked like, uh, say, you had a stock market and you know if you had stocks in, and say you had like uh, you had an internet bill for sixty dollars a month. I think that's fair. Yeah. Um, sixty dollars. And you know, twelve months out of the year, and what would it be about six sixty? It'd be about seven twenty a year, right? Mm-hmm. If your stock market, like, if, I'm sorry, if your stocks brought you $720 in just one year, mm-hmm. just off the stocks you have, mm-hmm. that's paying for your internet bill. So if you think about it, like, small scale, yeah. very simple, plain view, even though you're like, oh, man, I didn't make Warren Buffett money, yeah. you still paid for stuff, for money just sitting in an account doing just, nothing. It's just set there. Yeah. Otherwise, you would have, it would have not brought any return in the savings account if you're yeah. losing, or you would have spent it. And so the main thing is, it's not... Uh, not becoming emotionally attached to your money. It's very easy to get emotionally attached to your money because you have the fear of what if I lose it and you hold on too tight to it. Yeah. You cannot become emotionally attached to your money. 
Because like you said, even if you even if you have the money set aside in the account, one day or something's gonna come up and you'd be like, Oh, I haven't done anything with my money. Like let me go buy something. Oh yeah. So yeah. Like in the end you're still gonna react on your money. So having that connection to it is like, is that really worth it in the end? Like I, I clearly see exactly where you're pointing yeah. towards and everything. Um, a big point that I'm trying to put out to people right now is I personally, I feel like this is one of the best times to get involved in the stock market, like in history. And that, I feel that for multiple reasons. Um, for one reason, I feel like our president, that is a big like thing with him. And that's a big key that he's looking on focusing on. And you know, that's something that I believe personally, he's gonna use to his advantage to get reelected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's fair enough to say. And even in news and politics like you see him today, like he'll talk about the stock market and praise it. And for you looking at the market currently right now and knowing that that's something that he's gonna continue to encourage and continue to, you know, further bills and things in the market to push forward, I think right now it's like a no brainer on investing in the stock market. Yeah, and the and the S P and S P five hundred index is at a record high, you yeah, know, right now. Just, so, you know, at the beginning of, uh, at the beginning of this year, um, well, one year ago from uh, today, I'm looking here on uh, Google's got the S&P uh, 500 pulled up. It was at 2,649 uh, points, and now it's at 3,122 points. And for anybody listening, what pretty much all that means is just a scale of measurement. That's all it is. Don't think, oh, what these numbers mean. There's something magical. They're nothing more than... One plus one equals two. That's yeah. they're very simple numbers, just a way of measuring. So, uh, yeah, it's it's definitely gone up. Yeah. Dramatically. Yeah. You know what I mean. And I mean, so, and I mean, and that also ties to um, the current things that are going on in today's news, like the trade, like the trade negotiations with China and the U.S. Like we currently don't have a trade agreement, but you know, there's been news that it's lightening up and the tensions are going, you know, thinner and thinner. That trade negotiation is going to go through. Yeah. And when that goes through, the stock market is going to boom again. Yeah. Because a lot of companies are getting hit with those tariffs on, like, important things from China, which most of our goods do come from China. Yeah. And um, vice versa, you know, they're getting tariffs, too. And they're in the U.S. market, too. Like, yeah. China invests in the U.S. stock market, like, yeah. believe it or not. So, well, my theory is, and my whole thesis on why, if you're not in the stock market right now, you should get in, is because... Once those trade negotiations go through and everything, a lot of companies they borrowed money earlier this year when the Fed cuts, when the Fed rates were cut drastically. So companies right now they have a bunch of money that they borrow with little or no interest because the interest rates were so low. One, two. Once the trade tariffs go out the way, the companies become more profitable because they're able to make more profit margin off of their products because those tariffs aren't in place. And three, the president is going to approve the trade tariff in hopes to get reelected. And yeah. That's my big, I guess, bullish thesis. Yeah. But which is one, like, which is very reasonable to assume. It's a, it's a fair enough uh, theory for sure to think so. You know what I mean? That's not, I don't think that's unreasonable at all. Yeah. And I mean, you know, things can happen, you know, within this time frame, that time frame. But as of right now, this, I feel like is a great time to get involved because you're also pre-holiday season, which a lot of companies, if you do your, you know, due diligence and your research on, look into the financials, a lot of companies are going to kill it this holiday season because they're expecting this year to be one of the highest years in history of retail and retail shopping. Really? Yeah. I, I haven't heard of that. That's crazy. Yeah, like Amazon um, data, their data analysis and everything is showing like online retail and e-commerce. This, like, this year is supposed to be. So, like, if you own a company that sells products, you know, online or even physically in-store, they're going to crush their earnings for this upcoming season. And, you know, this is a good time, I feel like, just to get your foot in the door, maybe, just with a few companies. Yeah. And everything. Like, what are some companies, what are some reasons why you're involved in some of the companies that you... So the the main reason is is you'll hear a lot of these bigger companies people already know about Apple stocks. That's like the number one here is like you know uh, I should have invested in Apple back in what the seventies or eighties whatever. Yeah. You know. So a lot of people have heard of Apple stocks, but the main thing is is you can do a simple Google search. I believe what I did was just something very simple like Google, 
you know, 10 top stocks right now or something like that when I first got started or whatever. And it'll kind of pull up these stocks and you'll look and you're like, okay, that's a cool stock. And then it'll pretty much it's somebody who wrote an article about it. So it's kind of, it could be biased. Yeah. So what you have to do is your own research. So you'll find this, you know, the stock and like, for instance, that's when I found AMD. Mm-hmm. And AMD has got this and this and that and that. You're like, okay, that's cool. And then you look up their balance sheet. That's out of all the things I've, that I've learned, especially from that book, that book was crucial in learning. The one thing that I remember the most is balance sheet. Balance sheet's the biggest thing. The balance sheet's gonna show you the financials. And yes. you can do a simple YouTube video, it's probably you know five to 10 minutes long that talks about it. And it's super simple. And once I looked at their balance sheet, I'm like, well, okay, their financials are good. Yeah. They're growing, they're doing good. Let's invest, yeah. you know, and that's pretty much it. You can, you can get into more complicated stuff like um, trying to predict the stock where it's going, like on charts and stuff like that. Like, yeah. Uh, chart all, patterns. Yeah, chart patterns and stuff. But uh, that's not necessary, yeah. you know, to do that. You know, Warren Buffett, one of his beliefs was that when he bought a stock, he said he bought it for life. That was, and that's not, you know, he, of course he sells his stocks, you know, yeah. but that was his, like, I guess you'd say like, he didn't just buy one to turn around and sell it quickly. He bought one to hold on to for a long time, for long-term growth. Yeah. You know I've actually listened to some of his stuff, too, and he mentions that. He says, rule number one, if you're going to buy a stock, you shouldn't have to watch it every day. Right. Meaning the same thing you just said. Like, you shouldn't have to be like, oh, let me look up AMD today. Like, let yeah. me see if it's up Where they're down. going, yeah. You already did your research. You looked into their financials. You know it's a good company. You're buying it for the furtherment of the company. Yeah. You're not buying it. And, and another thing to look into is also with a company is you got to look at the uh, propaganda side of things, like the, the media side of things. So, like, for instance, look at the, uh, the CEO. And if the CEO has had, like, a scandal or something recently, that could hit the company. You yeah. know what I mean? Because he's representing the company. Yeah, he's the face of it. Exactly. So that's another thing is uh, that is unpredictable, unfortunately, because yeah. people do whatever and then stuff just comes out. Yeah. You know, but that's something to keep in mind as yeah. well. Now, let's talk about that a little. So, the current stock that I have is Tesla. And earlier this year, it got into a lot of heat because of the CEO, Elon Musk. Right. And he was going to Twitter with everything. Yeah. Um, yeah, so during that time, Tesla's stock fluctuated. There was like articles even saying like, Tesla's going like 20 bucks. Like, <laughs> like, They're all over the place. Yeah. yeah, we don't know what's gonna happen. Yeah, like Tesla's gonna crash and go to twenty bucks, and that created downwards pressure on the stock, and like the stock started, you know, crashing, going down, going down, and everything. And like people were like, "Oh, Tesla's a bad stock to have. Tesla's a bad, you know, company to invest in." And I think the bottom maybe was probably like one eighty nine, one seventy. Okay. Price range. Yeah. And um, if you go look at Tesla stock today, it's at three sixty five. Yeah. Which all those rumors... And yeah, it's way up. Yeah, so I guess in that aspect, it can either be a positive influence or a negative influence. Sure. Which in his case, is a negative influence for the time being. Sure. But the theories and the whole statement behind the company and their profitability is through the roof. So one thing I learned from like Warren Buffett and guys investing in this, if you ever see a good company go down on just like media rumors or talks and the company is still firm and financial... That's an instant buy signal. So, yeah. like, for me, that was my signal that I noticed. I'm like, okay, this stock is crashing, but they're meeting delivery expectations. Right. They're doing everything right. Like, they're the number one leader in electric vehicles. Right. I see a lot of Tesla stations being built to, like, charge electric cars. Right. And, like, me personally, the reason why I bought Tesla is I think maybe in, like, five to ten years, most cars will be electric. Yeah. Or if it's definitely true. going that way. And, like, what you're saying is this. The the decrease in their stock is pretty much an emotional reaction. Yes. It's not it's not numbers that caused it. It's yes. it's the the fear and the worry that his what he's saying is going to cause the stock to go. But what you're saying is is on the balance sheet again. The financials are right. They're yeah. making money. Mm-hmm. They're doing what they need to do. So eventually they're going to come back up. But all that other stuff is emotional, like in a reaction. Yeah, you know what I mean, it's just a reaction. Yeah, it's like freaking out. Freaking out. Pretty much over spilt milk. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. in in an example, you know what I mean? Some of it's a little bit more serious, but yeah. Yeah. But that's definitely, you know, one thing to look for in in that trend. Um, Also, I know another thing, like people try to, like you said earlier, people try to measure stocks by like their PEs and like their price to earnings. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, you know, 
That was one of the things I learned about. How you know, I used to look at that a lot, and I, I don't think I've looked at a PE in probably, I don't know, seven or eight months. Yeah. Uh, just because I don't know, I I feel like that fluctuates a lot. Like I know, like uh, for instance, AMD's PE was like, it was all over the place because they were growing faster and th- different stuff like that. So that wasn't again. That's not a very good you know way to look at. I guess it's another tool you yeah. can use. But it's not the best tool. The best tool, again, is to look at the financials, look at the industry. You know what I mean? Another thing you can do with stocks, too, is look at how much the industry is projected to grow. So, for instance, if you had, um, let's just say, let's say Google, for instance. I, I don't own Google stocks, but we'll talk about VR for a second. Okay. So, there's talk that the VR industry will grow in the future, you know, virtual reality. And yeah. so, people could... Basically, uh, in these bigger cities like, you know, let's say Tokyo or something like that, yeah. uh, they could be in these little rooms and they could have VR headsets and they could have a whole another world, you know, yeah. or people that are, you know, hospitalized or crippled or anything like that, they can live through this other world, live you know what I mean? Yeah. And so in VR also for training tools, like, you know, VR is pretty crazy. I feel like, you know, in the next 10 to 20 years will definitely grow more. But so let's say, let's say that the, the industry projected that to grow by a few billion in the next year. And again, this is all, I don't know. I don't have the information pulled up. We're just giving an example. So if the industry is, you know, projected to grow in the future, uh, which the first thing you would do is you would go to a VR company like Google does VR. Yeah. And you would look at their financials and you would say, okay, the industry is projected to grow. Okay. They have good financials. True. The CEO doesn't have anything on them. Yeah. So they invest. And, and you can look at, again, you can look at the stocks, you know, the stocks and see, the best time to invest is, of course, when the stocks are down. That's obviously, yeah. you know, uh, buy low, sell high, yeah. you know. But the thing is, is look at that also, but don't wait to uh, buy stocks because what happens is, is time flies really fast. So if you think about it, uh, I remember like uh, when I started working for a company when I was 18, um, I worked for them for three years. And at the end of that three years before I joined the Air Force, I was like, wow. That yeah. flew by. Yeah. Holy cow. Right. And things get stuck on the back burner real quick. Uh, you know, and two years that I've been, uh, I've been here now, or two years I've been in now, I, it's just flown by. You know, uh, and like, what's the saying, how it goes? It's like the, uh, the days are long, but the years are short. Uh, you know, so yeah. if you wait to invest in the stock market when you feel like the time is perfect, and the time is, you know, right, and everything looks good. You'll never do it because you'll never right. you'll pro- you'll procrastinate. Yeah, you know, you'll keep putting it back. You're like, oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll yeah, tomorrow. I'll I'll wait until I have more money. I'll wait until I have savings. I'll wait until more, you know, more stable and stuff like that. Now, I'm not saying do it casino style and put all your, you know, your chips in. Yeah, wrong, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying that, but definitely start somewhere. Yeah, you'd be surprised with what happens. No, definitely. I, I mean, I agree 100. percent Um. Now, let's talk a little bit about index investing versus individual stock investing. Which, okay. You know, I get people arguing with me on this every day. And um, I know a lot of guys that are big into investing. Indexes, uh, like Tony Robbins, for example, he's a big... He is a big believer in that. I've, yeah, read, he, I've read a book by him. Yes. He's a huge believer in index investing. And um, I'm more... I do have, like... I would say 5% or 10% of my money in the index, just like hedging against the market. But I individually, like I personally believe in individually picking stocks for the simple fact is if you own an index, you get, you know, good companies, but then you also get bad companies in the mix. Yeah. And also you get an average rate of return. It balances out. Yeah. Yeah. So it just balances out and you get, you know, you do get that eight or 7% you know, climb year over year, like you said, since 1970 or 1960. But that's just the average return. Whereas if you were to pick your own stocks, pick the companies that you know and love and trust, you know, you can get greater returns on your investment. And it's also a non-passive way to invest. Like, sure. you know, people just look for the simplest way. Like, oh, it's easy. I can just throw my money into it. And if you guys don't know at home, index investing is, for example, like S&P 500, is America's top 500 companies and they're all put into one stock, basically. Yeah. And yeah. you can invest your money and buy shares of it and it just kind of moves up and down and they manage the shares of the company by yourself. And now what I'm speaking more in terms is 
individually picking stocks and doing your own research, like you've been saying this whole episode of like looking into the financials and not only looking into the financials, is okay, do you believe in this company? Like, why do you feel like it's a good company? Right. What are they doing for the future? Right. You know, I feel like individual pick stocking is, you know, a great way to go, but you know, everyone has their own takes on it. So, you know, there's a lot of people that know uh, way more than I do on this stuff in depth. You know, if you, for instance, if people have mastered their craft at this, uh, the more time you put into something, the more effort, the better you're going to get at it, as long as you're, you're putting forth the effort. Yeah. So these people, you're not going to outsmart these cats that do 60, 80 hours a week on this stuff. So don't try to outsmart them. Yeah. Um, but you can learn from them, you know what I mean? The little time that you do have, because a lot of, you know, a lot of us are working full time and doing other stuff, and we don't have the time like they do, because it's a full-time thing for them. Oh, yeah. Um, so, from what, more of what I'm going to talk about is just the down-to-basic, simple theory behind it, or simple terms of the stocks. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, if you have the S&P 500, which is basically a batch of the 500 companies, and so the lows and the highs kind of balance out. It's, a, it's an average yeah. of those companies. Um, those they do have good returns uh, over time. That's a, definitely for new investors. I think that's a really good, great place to start. Great place to start out. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't have any S and P five hundred, and and this goes back to what I just said a minute ago. It's procrastination. I you know I talked about buying this stock three months ago, and here we are today, yeah. and I still don't have it. <laughs> yeah, you know, and so things like I said quickly fly by. So you just gotta remember that. Um, again, uh, S and P five hundred is a great place to start out with. Yeah. Look at, look at that. Do some research. You know, go on Google. You know, go. You know, buy a book. Go to the library, and, and you can get a book for free. Yeah. You know, on this, and uh, you know, go with that. Uh, but then the individual companies, um, you're gonna have to look more in depth because they're not gonna balance out like an S and P will. Yeah. Because it's one company. It's one company. If they go down, they go down. If yeah. they go up, they go up. And on the S&P, you know, the 500, if it, you know, if half the companies go down, half the companies go up, they're going to stay in the middle. Yeah, you're still stable. Right, so it's going to kind of balance out itself. But it, it does have a slow, uh, a slow growth. It's definitely a way to, you know, continue growth and, you know, get an average rate of return on your money, which I feel like even getting involved in that is a great step to start with. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, if you want to get to those big returns, you want to get high returns, you want to do more than the average, which, like, in most things I do, I want to do more than average. Sure. Like, I want to be better than average. So sure. That's when I, you know, go to individual stocks and things and look more into that. And, uh, yeah, the S&P, another way, too, is if, you know, you want to have a savings in your account that is, again, a rainy day. So, you know, they say if you're investing, you should have six months of, you know, savings, but... That's not necessarily the case for somebody who's working full time, yeah. Because you have a steady paycheck, yeah. Um, you don't have like a. But you should have a rainy day for that in case you lose your job or uh, injury or you know a wreck or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you should have at least a few months set aside, and then if you have that, yeah. then you know you can put investing. So if you have money that's kind of say rolling over the pot, if you will. So if you have three months of savings, and then all of a sudden you have four months now, well, you should take that one month of savings. And invest it in something like the S and P five hundred because it's going to keep up with the rate of inflation or above it. So your money's not going to be losing value because you're making money off of it. Makes sense. Yeah. So that's another thing uh, to look at. Another thing I want to bring up too is you know as soon as like I Google S and P five hundred, you know it'll pop up like top stories today, and it's it says one of them is uh, from uh, one day ago. And it says S and P five hundred eyes biggest drop since October on US-China trade deal uh, worries. And so, you know, it, it has this picture of like the stock in red going down. And <laughs> what, yeah, so what happens is, is, again, the emotional reaction, the fear, without any logic behind it. So yeah. you're gonna click on this. So don't don't fall victim to that, this constant up and down with yeah. the emotions. Emotional roller coaster. Yeah, you don't wanna be involved in that. You wanna look at the numbers and you wanna be smart about it. And go for that but a lot of it's a lot of propaganda it's a lot of you know you gotta remember all these stories are um like news companies and individual people writing articles off of their personal opinions and their research and they're getting paid yeah and yeah. do your own research yeah. before you get freaked out yeah that's what that's what i wanted to point out there. that's the biggest thing exactly like if you, 
within doing your own research in the company, you'll know if it's time to like freak out, like, oh, like this is legit. Or like, yeah, yeah. oh, this is just like news articles or just because he's on Twitter or something. Yeah. Like, this is why my stock is going down. Yeah. Like you'll know based off of your own analysis and you don't have to, you don't have that backbone of, oh, the media is saying this and that. Yeah. Because like we know fake news does exist. Yeah, it does. It does. Um, I think like for me personally, if I pulled up, um, if I pulled up the information right here, I don't remember exactly the numbers to give to you. I'm not going to give you a dollar amount, but we'll just say I was for a good portion of this year, the early part, I was way down. Yeah. Way down. Okay. And you know, that does have an effect on you, whether you believe it would or not, it will, because it, it's kind of like a, when the, you know, the sun's shining one day and the clouds rolling, the rain comes in, you're like, oh, no, that won't affect me. It, it will. It'll have an effect. Example. And Washington. you can say, well, I have control over it. You have a, a certain amount of control over it, but it does still have an effect on you. Um, mm-hmm. um, so anyway, so I was down a good portion of this year, and the thing I didn't do was get emotionally reactive to it. Like, oh, man, I better, you know, pull out of the stock market now and cut my losses because this is – and it was, like I said, it was way oh, no. down. I know. It was a bloodbath. And this morning when I sold some of my stocks, it was way up, you know, and that's all I can say. It, it's, it's incredible what can happen if you just be patient yeah. with things. Just be patient. I mean, and that's what most things, you know, most people want that overnight, you know, investment success or, you know, and that's things that you, you will go through when you start investing. You'll be like, okay, why am I not making money? Like it's been, I've put the time in. Like, <laughs> it's been a month now. <laughs> yeah. And, and you feel like you're due that success. Most people feel like they're due some success just because they put something in. But one thing I know, I know to be true is like your dreams and like the things you want to accomplish, they don't happen because of you just wanting it. Yeah. They happen because you're persistent and you're patient right. in what you want to do. And you continue working at it. It's not just going to happen just because you threw the money in there and like you feel like it should happen tomorrow. Yeah. As long as you're persistent with it. And like the stock market crashed. Like, you know, it crashed. But where's the stock market today? Way up. Yeah. So if you had took that L, look today, like, come on. Yeah. I think it's almost like, yeah, 23% something since that time frame. It's way up. It's way up since then. I know, like, a lot of those places I look down, I don't know, again, the exact numbers, but I I saw numbers as low down as, like, 37% in certain areas, and it's just like, dang. And, you know, you imagine if you had, you know, these big Tom Rollers and stuff have millions uh, of dollars invested. That's that's huge because... It's a lot of money yeah. on the, you know, on the stakes. Yeah. So yeah, it's a little bit harder when you get more money involved in, you know, into it and everything. But again, just don't become emotionally uh, reactive. One one of the things I want to point out to, uh, just an example for the stock market, is, you know, you you worry that if you put your money in the stock market that you're going to lose it and it's going to disappear. And again, like I said before, most of the time you're going to spend it. And I'll give you an example. Uh, you know, like, so like video games, uh, clothing, stuff like that. So, uh, I had a, a really good friend of mine. He's a really good dude. And, um, he, uh, he games a lot and he really is passionate about gaming and you know, people make good money off that now and he's really good. But I do remember him saying to me one day that he was, he wouldn't put his money in the stock market because it was, um, it was uh, risky. And I do remember him telling me though, that he had, probably put around two grand of money invested into uh, a game on his phone that he wouldn't get back. On his phone? On his phone. But now again, this is a gamer, so you know, you're, yeah. you're putting big money. Like he's got a, a super nice computer. Uh, everything's up to date. I say he's really good and he's made money off this stuff. Like, and he's telling me the money he's made off of certain things. I'm like, wow. Yeah. But he also did tell me this, this game he did, um, he didn't make any money off of it. And he put two grand into it, you know, roughly. So. Remember, if you if you're spending your money and it's bringing you zero return, you lo- it's gone. That yeah. money is gone. And another example too is like clothing or you know items. You think if I buy this item uh, for you know like let's say these blue jeans, you know these blue jeans, uh, I bought these brand new uh, on a trip to Nashville and I bought them for sixty dollars brand new. How much do you think they're worth now? Less than what you paid. Probably five dollars. Yeah, like a lot less than what you paid. Yeah, you know, and they're only two years old. You yeah. know what I mean? And so 
again, like I said, yeah, the return on that, the uh, depreciation. depreciation when you, yeah. yeah, when you drive a brand new vehicle off a lot, it depreciates a few thousand dollars, you know? Yeah. So the same thing, you gotta look at depreciation with everyday items. Uh, when you buy a brand new pair of jeans for $60 and then two years later, you know, if I went on to the uh, Facebook marketplace or something like that and tried to sell these jeans, somebody's not gonna pay more than, more than $10 at most for these jeans, I don't feel like, yeah. you know, um, because it just, they're not, they're not worth it. Yeah. So stuff loses value like yeah. crazy. No, I don't. Cell phones lose money like, you know, the, the value like crazy. If you look at, uh, you know, an iPhone, I've got a 6S here. It's pretty, <laughs> pretty old. Yeah. But, but if you look at it brand new when it came out, it was probably around, I think it was around six to $800. Don't quote me wrong. It was, it was up there. Okay. And this phone is, I, I think it's worth around 250 300 the most now, I think, roughly. Yeah, so, yeah, you lost, it's, it's, that's gone. And so, again, uh, nothing wrong with buying brand new stuff and nothing wrong with buying things, but just keep that in mind that a lot of things will depreciate. So when I buy something, anything, I try to think about depreciation in the future. Yeah. I try to look ahead. Yeah. So like when I buy, like for instance, I'm into photography mm -hmm. and I buy like this, this lighting tripod right here. You know, this lighting tripod is uh, $44 with tax, okay? And the first thing I'll do is I'll look at it and it's like, it's a piece of metal and it's pretty simple build, but it is what it is and you gotta spend money to get one. And I'll look at, can I find a used one? And if I can't find used ones that are in good shape or I can't find used ones at all, which unfortunately you can't really find uh, many of them, that are in good shape or that aren't busted or whatever, uh, then I'll buy it brand new, yeah. you know? Uh, but I'll buy the, the best, best build quality I can so it'll last the longest amount of time. You know okay. what I'm saying? That's fair, yeah. But like certain things like, you know, cameras and lenses, somebody said, well, you probably buy, you know, brand new. Actually, I, I don't. I usually buy them used because I usually find really good deals. Like cameras, they keep a shutter count on them and uh, you can see how much they've been used. And as long as, you know, you want to test them out, you want to see first and blah, 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 you know. Make sure it's below a certain number there. Right. But you got to remember like uh, that camera right there is a Sony a7 II and it's depreciating around $200 a year, you know. So, again... You want to think about that yeah, in the future vehicles. Yeah. You know, I, my truck is a, uh, it's a 95 F-150, mm -hmm. uh, 214,000 miles on it, bought 184,000 miles on it, and I bought it for $2,500, brand new, 16 years old, 14 hours a day summers, mm -hmm. paid for it. Mm -hmm. And I haven't paid on that vehicle at all. And six years, we'll see, well, let's do that. That's a terrible math, actually. Seven years now, almost, but roughly, we'll get to summertime, uh, no payment. Yeah. And you say, well, it gets bad gas mileage. It's like 17 in the gallon, highway, 12, you know, city. And it's like, well, but it doesn't have a payment. It doesn't have a cost of full cost insurance on it, you know. Uh, right. Interest rates. The maintenance on it is bare minimum. It's oil changes and occasional here or there, you know, minor parts. I haven't had any major, you know, problems with it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's depreciated to the to pretty much the lowest point before breaking. So if the engine yeah. doesn't break, I can sell it for twenty five hundred dollars. Yeah. If the engine does break, I could probably sell it for maybe you know five hundred to seven hundred fifty. Yeah. But it's I'm not losing anything from it. It makes sense to yeah. you. Yeah. Know what I'm saying it does make sense, and it, it basically comes down to something like what you're saying: stacking, making sure you're stacking the right amount of things on both sides of the spectrum. On yeah. Like, on the sides of things that appreciate assets to liabilities. Yeah. So. Being able to, you know, defer, like, your assets outweighing your liabilities. Yeah. So you're continuing that growth. Just like we talked about with the S&P 500, you have, you know, half companies good, half companies bad. It kind of evens out. Same thing with your personal life, like, you know, assets to liabilities. You always want to stack more on your asset side so you continue that upchart growth. Yeah. But... Regardless, you're gonna have some liabilities. Oh, for sure. That's that's uh, it's just gonna happen. I think they say that if it's not making money for you, it's a liability. So if you ask most people, let's say, is your is your vehicle an asset or a liability? You would think asset because you think in your head you're like, well, excuse me, you gotta get to work and you gotta do you know different transportation and stuff like that. And it's like, well, not really. You it's actually a liability because it's not making you money. But now I do understand you have to you know get to work, but you could find another means of getting to work that was cheaper yeah. than a brand new car. So what I'm trying to say is like, again, there's nothing wrong with a brand new car because you have these emotional things, which is a part of life. If a life wasn't uh, I don't say emotional, it if it wouldn't be fun, you know, yeah. it wouldn't be what it is. If you don't, we'd be, be like a bunch of robots, yeah. right? So like the motorcycle that I bought, it was a 
emotional or it was because I wanted to. Didn't yeah. need it. Wanted to. I love riding that thing. You know what I mean? It brings me joy. It. Yeah, it makes me happy. But it's Great not... Yeah, for that for that side of things. Yeah. Um, but it... Uh, yeah, so that's all I'm saying is like that's there's nothing wrong with that. But for instance, I probably could have gotten by by buying it. I used or a more older one. You know what I mean? Not a 2018 motorcycle. <laughs> but so you see what I'm saying there. So just keep those things in mind. It's like is it a, is this a want or a need? And if you say, well, it's a want, there's nothing wrong with buying it. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with having it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just remember that. Just know the difference though. You gotta build it and say okay, and you gotta build it, say it out loud, and admit it. That it was a want and not a need. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? Being able to determine the grounds and the basis on why you made that decision. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So um, that was awesome. Um, let's finish this episode a little bit about talking about like why you got started with your photography company. Okay. Yeah. And um, you know, what kind of led you to starting it? Yeah. So as I said earlier, you know, I started when I was 12 and I had like a Nikon. It was like a, uh, I believe it was a 10 megapixel. I do not remember the model number. Uh, digital zoom, which is the worst kind of zoom. <laughs> Uh, because you know right now any, any of y'all listening uh, if you zoom in on a smartphone it just looks terrible you know what I mean it just gets worse and worse as you zoom in further and further <laughs> so yeah. I thought it was the coolest thing and I remember reading about three books um, from the library over two years which from the time you're 12 to around 14 that seems like a lot you know what I mean that seems like a lot but it's really not but uh, anyway so I, I read this book study and I used to take these photos but I was trying to do like a risky shot over the water and drop my phone, or not my phone, excuse me, my camera in the water and, and destroyed it. Ooh. And my parents told me so they couldn't afford to get me another one, which is understandable. Yeah. And so, you know, get older, you start working, um, you know, different stuff hits you and blah, blah, blah. And again, stuff gets thrown on the back burner and you forget about it. You know, I remember when I was like 12 or 14, I was like, I want to be a photographer when I grow older. Okay. And I just pretty much forgot about that. You yeah. know what I mean? After they, they couldn't give me another one, it just, just went on with life, you know? Yeah. And so when I got here, uh, I remember going to the store and seeing, um, seeing this camera or whatever, or talking to somebody. I don't remember exactly what happens. I think I saw one, but anyways, I, I picked it up again, pretty okay. much. I bought a, uh, a Canon T7i, which I know, I knew a few people had one. Yeah. Um, and they talked good things about them, and I did some research. I was like, oh, this is, you know, it's a good starter camera. And just went to work with it, you know, and uh, loved it and got some really good photos, but I was also volunteering for a local church, mm-hmm. and I was using their cameras. I was using a, uh, a 5D Mark II and a 6D. Okay. And these cameras had, like, amazing low light capabilities and were so clear they were full frame okay. where mine was a crop sensor for anybody wondering what that is if you crop sensor is pretty much where if you took a photo on your phone mm-hmm. and cropped it to make it smaller so it's like zoomed in which is less quality pretty much okay that's all that means and so i had a crop sensor they had full frame and i was like man i i started I, again i shooting all the time for church it was like pretty much every weekend i think i put in an over up Roughly 140 hours volunteer time for that. I sold my Canon, and I just kept learning more. I mean, I, just becoming more obsessed with it and feeling satisfied. Or I want to say satisfied, but feeling happy and feeling, like, empowered by it. Yeah. To take photos and be creative and do different stuff. It kind of gave you a different sense of purpose, kind of. Yeah, like, yeah. I, I found yeah. out. I was like, man, I could not believe. I, for, I, can't, I couldn't believe I forgot how much I love this. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's so great. Uh, just taking a simple picture, you know? Yeah. Uh, but then, anyway, so I bought a MacBook along the way, and I started watching tons of videos on YouTube of editing uh, with Photoshop and uh, doing, like, you know, Lightroom adjustments and stuff like that. And, you know, the business side of me was trying, the financial side was trying to find a smart way of doing editing for my photography without costing as much as Lightroom does, which is like a 10 to $12 subscription every month because I wasn't making money off of photography. So it was costing me. Yeah. And I told myself, I was like, well, I'm, I'm not that good at it right now. So I want to have something that's very cheap until I get good at it. And then I can start making money or spending money to make money because, you know, I've kind of earned it, so to speak. Yeah. You put it and, in time. Right. And so I found a, uh, a cheaper alternative and edited with that. And I, again, watched tons of videos, um, never really read any books. Uh, I have uh, two books now. A friend loaned me a book. Uh, he does photography. And then also I got another book from the library that I'm reading right now. Okay. Um, 
But yeah, and I just started taking more and more photos and people, I started hearing more responses. You know, I remember I did my first, I did my first photo shoot back in December when it snowed here. So that was close to a year ago now. Yeah. And then I started doing more trips and taking photos for this and that. I remember snowboarding. Yeah. You were on that. I you know, that. I was doing some video with that, you know, messing around video. Yeah, we got some nice photos. On yeah, that. yeah. And, and then uh, now I've just been doing more and more photo shoots. You know, now I've got more lighting equipment and uh, more stuff's going on. But again, it's because I really I just keep putting time into it and yeah. I keep putting more and more and more and more time. I can't tell you the hours I've spent behind editing a photo with all these different layers and messing around, adjusting and playing with it to see the results that I can get. And the photos have gotten better and better and better and the yeah. response has gotten better and better and better. And so right now I'm just trying to learn the business sides and continue to grow with my skills on photography but it's something that um really fires me up it really just it it lights me up yeah. i really 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 enjoy it that's awesome yeah yeah no man and just like it's, it seems like it's just something that comes to you effortless like you would do this you know in your free time like i said earlier you would do this even if you didn't get paid but you did yeah. do it before you got paid exactly so exactly yeah so my boss back home uh my old boss i guess you would say he was he, I guess you would say he's a really good mentor. He didn't really talk that much, mm. but man, he was a really, really uh, good man and really, uh, I guess he's smart with business and stuff. And so just being around him, yeah. the, the vibe, the energy he picked up and, and watching his business and just working there for three years. With you know, his actions. What his actions were. And so I ended up calling him a few months ago. I was like, hey, can I get some tips and pointers and just anything you've learned along the way? He's like, well, first of all, he's like, you're going to have to do stuff for free. And I was like, well, I told him, I said, I've already been doing that and I'm still continuing to do that. And he said, the reason, he said, because you're not, first of all, you're not known yeah. and you're not good enough yet. And in that sense, he said, you got to get better and you got to convince people why they should pay you. Why, you know, don't do everything for free, of course. Yeah. You know what I mean? But don't be like, oh, if I'm not making money for us, I'm not going to do it. Don't yeah. be like that. Right. Do it because you love it is what he said. That's what you should be doing. He said, you should really love it and enjoy doing it. Give, 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 and then take. Yeah. Instead of trying to take initially. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's a good way to put it. So, but yeah. So, uh, you know, it's really funny to some people. I talked to somebody last night uh, that loves airplanes, like loves airplanes. I've talked to this one guy years ago that loved being a service uh, like the representative on the other side of the phone. Mm -hmm. So if you called and said, my computer's not working, there's a troubleshoot message. He loved that job. He was fired up, and I could never see how that would be fun. Yeah. But he said it was it was a mystery. It was it was a you know a puzzle to fix. Mm. And so everybody everybody has their own passion. Everybody like you could say to each his own. You yeah. know what I mean? So to most people, taking a picture with a camera is <laughs> it's it's just like oh you just take a picture. You know what I mean? Right. Or you just pointing. But there's a lot more that goes into it. The yeah. settings. The lighting, the adjustment, the uh, composition, which is one of the biggest things, you know, uh, a lot goes into it. And you can create a lot of amazing stuff yeah. with it. You know yeah. I mean? And I mean, it varies too, because the ROI to a camera to me would be like nothing or like a few bucks because like I'm not, you know, photography driven and that's not anything that I enjoy. Right. Right. But to you, a photography could be worth a million dollars because it's something that you naturally have that passion for yeah. and that you drive forward to and that, you know, something that you find interesting to you. Yeah. Just like to you, maybe like doing something like playing basketball, like a basketball or what? Like you probably not. I suck at it. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> I'm so bad and like at basketball. Somebody like, somebody like LeBron James, it brings him a billion dollars. So it's just like capitalizing on your own strengths and being true to who you are. And which is like the main things I feel like yeah. are the center of being an entrepreneur and the reasons why you're doing what you're doing right now in photography. Yeah, and and keep things in their in their place and perspective. So like I you know I did martial arts for 13 years growing up, and somebody asked me uh, not too long ago. I said, "Do you think you could win in a fight against McGregor?" And I said, "Absolutely not. I would get killed. That guy would murder me." Yeah. And you know, like the ego side of you thinks, and and the you know you think, "Well, I got skill. I've got ego. Well, well." I could fight, but you gotta remember these guys got there by fighting to the top. Just like LeBron James, it's like if you played basketball, you're like, man, I'm good. 
And you asked him, so do you think you could beat LeBron James? No way. You know what I'm saying? Because he got there because he's the, one of the best guys in that field. Yeah. And just understand that, just like with photography, there are people that are amazing and they're way better than me. Yeah. But the only way to get there is to constantly practice, to constantly grind, and also watch what they do too. Yeah, like, watch their habits. Yeah, watch their habits. Watch how they do it. And the same thing with money too is don't compare. I, I hear this a lot. Millionaires and billionaires, those are day and night. A million dollars and a billion dollars is <laughs> way off. Yes. That's like, again, comparing me to McGregor. Well, I, I'm calling myself a millionaire now. <laughs> not, not necessarily like, okay, we'll, we'll step down from that. But anyways, you get the point. So, yeah, yeah so a million dollars, I think if you did the math, if you saved up for the next 20 years, you had to save $46,000 a year for 20 years in the savings. That's fair. Not including, you know, uh, well, not including the uh, deflation oh, of the money, two point four percent on average, yes. uh, to be a millionaire. Yeah. To be a billionaire, you would have to save forty-seven. What was it? Forty-seven million, I think, or something like that, a year yeah. for <laughs> twenty years yeah. to Just be to a billionaire. That. So you know, when you got you know Jeff Bezos, or whatever, one hundred and sixty odd billion. Mm-hmm. Uh, before uh, I'm not sure the information about the uh, divorce, whatever. So you could say it's half, whatever, and we'll just say, for example, one hundred sixty-seven. 160 billion, whatever. That's a crazy number. Yeah. It's like looking at the stars in the gal, you know, in the space. You're like, wow. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. It's it's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. So just just remember that it's a big difference. And, and set like, I used to set, and I still do sometimes. I catch myself unreasonable goals. Like you know, I'm gonna be, uh, you know, a millionaire by the time I'm 26. I remember saying that when I was like 20. Yeah. Completely unreasonable. I had no plan and set. I had no math added up I had no how it's not you, but, but that's why it was unreasonable because you didn't have that set in place exactly you gotta you gotta set up you gotta set a plan you gotta figure out how you, you gotta ask how Question what are you mark. gonna give in return to get that exactly like you want the million dollars okay well what are you gonna do to get it what are you gonna sacrifice yeah. what time what assets what hobbies what what are you gonna stop buying what are you gonna start doing what are yeah. you know what are you gonna do to get there and so you gotta set that in place again like the number said Forty-six thousand dollars a year for twenty years, yeah. roughly. Don't don't. I don't have a calculator right here, but anyways. <laughs> no, um, so yeah, roughly. So you got to remember, if you know, if you wanted to be a millionaire by the time you're in your thirties, you got to add up the numbers, and you got to say, okay, I need to be making this amount of money each year to be on pace for that yeah. mark. And you got to okay. set weekly goals, monthly goals, exactly, and continue to keep those moving in that direction. Because exactly. chances are, you ask that same person that wants to do that. They'll be like, oh, I want to be a millionaire or I want to be like a well-known star. Well, like, what do you have written down? And like, what detail, like, plans do you have written down yeah. for? Yeah, that? and that's something, like, again, I, I've been bad about not doing and I've just recently admitted that to myself. Oh, it's you have not, to admit it. Not, it's not being practical about it. And so, uh, is I'm trying to tell myself now, it's like, well, I want to be a great photographer and I want to make a living in this. And it's like, how am I going to do that? What kind of work am I going to put in? And I've, and I've been putting in a lot of work, you know, especially with the business, uh, with the website, with uh, designing the business cards, ordering business cards, getting new equipment, watching videos, studying like crazy, practicing, experiencing. And then not only that, but also going out in the field and when I do stuff, writing down uh, what didn't work or what errors I ran to. It's yeah. like, don't do this next time. You know what I mean? And that will help you um, Very true. a lot yeah. in the future. So, yeah. Oh, and another a big thing, last thing, I guess, um, that I'll say is, is this, as soon as it becomes, like, stressful, like, you'll feel like, I remember uh, just a few days ago, I, I just didn't pay attention to any of it, and I watched, like, a TV show or something dumb. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I don't really watch that much TV. But I just remember feeling, like, really relaxed, like... This is nice because I've been building up too much pressure on my back, you know, what I mean? too much stress yeah. and kind of losing the joy slowly. But over time, that will burn you out if yes. you're not careful. You yes. have to be careful about that. And so as soon as you feel like, man, this is super stressful and this is super rough and this is this and that, just take a second to step back and, and just go outside and do what you do. Do your escape. But just... Think about it and why you love it and just do that for just a moment yeah. to catch that again and taste that again and then step back into the business or the cycle of it to try to do what you're trying to do to get where you're going. Yeah. yeah. 
Because, you know, you start thinking short-term, that's usually probably when that pressure comes. Like, yeah. you, you know, you start thinking short-term, oh, I don't have this today. But yeah. once you widen your view and you notice, like, how much time you have, you know, in that arena and that it's the end goal that you're trying to reach, things will... Relax a little bit. Relax a little bit. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Man, it was awesome having you today. Yeah, it's a good talk. Yeah, we had a great conversation. Appreciate you coming on again. Yeah, man. Uh, Thanks for having me, by the way. I want to shout out some of your social media and uh, put that out there. Yeah, so if you look at my website, it's uh, www.skybreacherphotography.com. And if you look on Facebook, Skybreacher Photography, and my Instagram handle is at skybreacher underscore photography. And again, I have some other uh, social media sites that I'm working on more now, like uh, Tumblr and uh, Pinterest even. You know, I'm starting to do that as well. Awesome. Um, and that's again all of that is Sky Breacher Photography so if you look it up you'll find it I'm located here in a local area of uh, Tacoma Seattle and the surrounding areas and uh, yeah all right. know. and I'll link those below in the video um, I just want to say thank you to everybody tuning in thanks for the continuous support uh, continue to like share and you know let people know this is the greatest podcast out there alright appreciate it <laughs>